The holiday season always gives us so much and this year is no exception. It's just difficult because there are so many options and we have to choose typically just two or three horrible movies to watch for the podcast. I know I really could fill up like half a year's worth of podcast episodes with just bad holiday rom-coms. But I feel like our listenership would be kind of cranky if in July we were still posting about like A Christmas Prince. Would they? Because the Hallmark movie channel exists. I, so we signed up actually for a month long Hallmark Now subscription. Um, and we have watched a handful of really bad movies, not all holiday themed, um, because it turns out they do movies and mysteries. Um, but those are, they're pretty bad. They're pretty atrocious. Um, but I also saw like our big debate was like, should we do Hallmark or should we do Lifetime? We end up going with Hallmark, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious about Lifetime because I think they're like a little more risque. How much does it cost to subscribe to the Hallmark channel? I don't know because Alex did it. Okay. I think it's like seven bucks. Um, is one of the movies available to you, A Kiss Before Christmas starring Terry Hatcher? I don't know. It could be, but that one just came out. So I'm not sure. I think Hallmark now is more like archival films um, from like years gone past. I don't know if they premiere new films that are currently playing on the Hallmark channel because they are shockingly not one and the same. Oh, so like to watch a newer movie, we might not be able to use your subscription. We may not. I don't know. I have to look to see what's available. I think the movie came out like last night. So I'm going to I'll check after this. Okay, so for some context, we both live with human beings who watched a pretty bad Superman show in their youth called Lois and Clark. It's it's just surprising that we both found these people. <laughs> and one of these human beings, mine, uh, has a podcast about this show and is constantly trying to get us to appear, which we haven't done because I barely like doing our own podcast. But a golden opportunity has arisen wherein Terry Hatcher, who starred in the Superman show as Lois, of course, is in a seemingly terrible Hallmark Christmas movie. So we will be viewing this film, sadly, and then appearing. And I don't know, maybe we'll drop the link somewhere. Maybe we won't. It's happening. It's happening. It's a crossover episode. (laughs) But it's kind of fun because I don't think either of us ever watched Desperate Housewives, but apparently the love interest is one of her Desperate Housewives love interests. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I've never seen an episode of Desperate Housewives. Yeah, Live and Learn. I googled it just now and it's like, Hallmark has an exciting gift for Desperate Housewives fans. So there you go. Hallmark has given us so many gifts. (laughs) Anyway, Terry Hatcher's still working. Good for her. Good for her. Well, speaking of terrible holiday films, let's segue to this month's episode of Rom-Comathon. Welcome. I'm Alex. And I'm Kat. And this month, we bring to you our episode a little bit later because we just had to wait, of course, for the premiere of The Princess Switch 3. Romancing the Star. Oh yeah, I forgot. I couldn't couldn't remember what the like little... (laughs) like title was the third one i was just like yep princess switch three yes it was obviously so important that we wait and 
have this be one of our holiday movies and we knew you would understand I mean like obviously like we we've done the first two like how how could we not especially given like the truly spectacular premise of these films which are basically like how many different people can Vanessa Hudgens play yep but I have to say that this year they chose like the most unsympathetic one which was unfortunate but they like try to give her like a tragic backstory (laughs) yeah they went in another direction i was kind of hoping vanessa hudgens would get to play like five more people but sadly they didn't introduce any additional hudgenses i mean look there's always next year there's always the princess switch four what on earth do you think that would be about i don't even know i i have no idea they didn't really leave any like loose ends in this one you know I want them to go exploring their sort of collective backgrounds to figure out why the two European Hudgenses inexplicably look exactly like the American Hudgens. Yeah, I would like to know, like, was there a common ancestor at some point? Does that mean that the two European Hudgenses are also, like, Filipina in some way? Like, I would love to have more information on this. Should I summarize the plot? I think I think you have to. Okay. For anyone who doesn't remember, in the first Princess Switch movie, um, uptight Chicago Hudgens and freewheeling Duchess Hudgens switched places and Chicago Hudgens fell in love with the Prince of Belgravia while Duchess Hudgens fell in love with Chicago Hudgens's single dad friend whose name is Kevin but I consistently and inexplicably and again while sitting down to this third movie thought his name was David I thought his name was Nick that's because that's the actor's name oh really I don't even think I knew that I'm pretty sure let me check he just looks like a Nick to me good because that's his real name there's no explanation for why I think his name is David okay all right cool anyway Nick Kevin David In the second movie, Chicago Hudgens and the Lame Prince are married, but Duchess Hudgens and Kevin David Nick have broken up due to the, I don't know, strain of her royal life, I think. And the two Hudgenses switch places again so that they can spend some time and... So so like Duchess Hudgens and Kevin David Nick can like fall back in love, basically. Yes, pretty much. And that movie ends with them like getting married at an airport. Oh, and the first movie also had like a bake-off situation, but that's completely irrelevant at this point. So Duchess Hudgens in the second movie became Queen Hudgens of her little country, Montanaro. And also there was a whole situation where because they had switcherooed, her evil cousin, Vanessa Cousins, as we called her, uh wanted money and then was trying to kidnap Duchess slash Queen Hudgens and accidentally kidnapped Chicago Hudgens instead. All of that was resolved in this third movie, Vanessa Cousins, after that crime that was probably treason, is surprisingly not in jail, which uh, understandably Chicago Hudgens thinks is stupid. But She's the only reasonable one. Like, I I am all for criminal reform, but it just seems like if someone tries to, like, kidnap, you know, like, I think she's a princess, technically, um, at this point, and 
like maybe she should get like a little more than community service. Yes, she tries to kidnap her cousin. No, 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 not uh, oh, not yes. Duchess. You the are other right. One because she because she's married to the Prince of Belgravia. Yes, she kidnapped the princess of another country, which seems even worse. Yeah. At any rate, somehow, because Queen Vanessa Hudgens was, like, feeling charitable, she's just doing community service at a convent where all of the nuns clearly despise her. Because she's not, like, known for her work ethic. Or her positive, upbeat attitude. (laughs) And the two non-criminal Hudgenses are leading their respective countries, Belgravia and Montanaro, and hosting an international Christmas festival. Because for anyone who's forgotten, this is a world in which all of Europe is like super horny for Christmas and all of their key events revolve around the festive season. I was saying to Alex that I we have never seen any of these countries like without snow because we only see them at Christmas and they're always covered like blanketed with snow. So I'm really curious like what do these places even look like in the summer? Do they even have a summer like tourist season? Interesting. How far north are these countries? I do not know. Um, anyway, for this international Christmas festival, the Vatican has loaned these two countries somehow collectively a, I guess maybe mainly Montanaro because it seems to be taking place in Montanaro. They've loaned them a sacred relic, the Star of Peace, because apparently the church has no idea how chaotic and irresponsible this group of royals is. (laughs) Obviously, the Star of Peace gets like immediately stolen like very very early in the movie and no one knows what to do they're just like oh is there video oh is there whatever guess the trail's gone cold yeah it's really weird because they're like the top inspector of montanaro or maybe interpol is here and for some inexplicable reason all these like professionals who are like out there just catching thieves are like guess i'm stumped uh yeah really that's it okay but the 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 worst part is the logic leap that happens next (laughs) so their only recourse apparently is to go to vanessa cousins and borrow her from the convent where she is doing her community service for kidnapping one of them while trying to kidnap the other and ask her for help Because for some reason, they're like, I know, we need to think like a criminal. The only criminal we know is your scheming cousin in a convent. Let's just get her out. Surely she'll lead us directly to the star. And she does? Like, this plan works? Yes, when you said leap of logic, I didn't realize that you were talking about this decision. I thought you were talking about what follows. This whole movie is a leap of logic, right? Which is that Vanessa Cousins goes, okay, I in turn know who to go to next, which is her ex-boyfriend who is maybe also a criminal, but used to work for Interpol. It's unclear whether he's both those things or he was falsely a ki- whatever. The rest of the movie is basically him helping them plan and execute a heist to steal back the Star of Peace from the person they assume stole it. 
But who and who turns out did steal it. I mean, it would have been awkward had they gotten, you know, broke done all these things, broke into his house, and was then like, oh, JK, he didn't actually take it. Mm. Yes, they have a whole like really elaborate plan about how to get past all of this guy's security systems. He's basically this like rich hotel douchebag that Vanessa Cousins left Peter Pole for at one point. But more to the point, like, loves to take things that are unattainable. But they clearly have no solid evidence that he actually took it. They're just like, surely it was him. Yep. Peter is basically like, oh, there's, there could be no other person. Like, really? No other person? Oh, well, he has some video footage because he's like, there's this guy who work, who's known to work for this guy. I guess that's the, that's the only thing that they go on. Oh, Okay. This makes it slightly more plausible. I think that I fully forgot about that by the time they were planning the heist and was like, how do you even know where this item is being kept? Uh, Which, frankly, still a question. How do they know all of this information about hotel douchebags security system? But it's fine. Anyway, in the course of this movie, we learn a certain amount about Peter Pohl and Vanessa Cousins' backstory, which is basically like that they were boarding school pals from the time they were wee adorable children. And Vanessa Cousins felt very betrayed by her mom who would leave her at the school at Christmas time and loved to travel to avoid her horrible husband. And that's why Vanessa Cousins feels like she can't count on anyone and doesn't want to be close to anybody, which is why she lives her traveling criminal life and left Peter Pohl and blah, 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 whatever. And so he sort of calls her on this and is also trying to make her talk to her mom. I mean, this doesn't, this should not absolve her of kidnapping, you know, like another Vanessa Hudgens, but the movie is like, you know what? She's fine now. She's reformed. Yes. It's like at the very end of the movie, when she, spoilers, does make up with her mom, it's like, I used to like steal from other kids and then wrap up the trinkets so that I could pretend they were from you. And it's like, I appreciate this attempt to justify the person that Vanessa Cousins has become, but, like, I don't really feel like this justifies that. But also, like, Peter Pohl was also left there at Christmas, and he doesn't seem to have kidnapped anybody, although maybe he's also a criminal? Hard to say. Anyway, whatever. So as kids, there was this whole, like, I'll always be there for you. Like, if you ever, like, look up at the Big Dipper. These little children, by the way, gave some of the best performances in this movie. Um, just know, like, I'm also looking at it, thinking of you and whatever, and that's, like, a motif. But the bulk of this movie is the heist, which basically involves them running into Hotel Douchebag and Vanessa Cousins managing to get an invite to this party, and then they're, you know, rehearsing and planning the heist in classic Ocean's Eleven ways, and they're supposed to be using Vanessa Cousins's idiotic friends who I did not really remember from the previous movie and these cronies are not super up to their jobs and long story short it ends up that Vanessa Cousins has to go in herself which means that Queen Hudgens has to pretend to be Vanessa Cousins and then to top it all off the two of them go off to like 
deal with this high situation. And Chicago Hudgens is left at the palace. And the mother superior calls from the convent and is like, hey, I know I told you that Vanessa Cousins needed to come back like the day after Christmas to like meet with the disciplinary board. Well, they've decided to host like a surprise hearing. And so she has to be back by 7 p.m. tonight or she'll just, you know, go to jail. And um, and so will I for some reason. And Chicago Hudgens is like, oh, crap, and has to go also pretend to be Vanessa Cousins and plead for clemency, although she kind of doesn't really. She was she's kind of like, you could just give me more time. You know, you could give me more community service hours. I could go to jail. It's fine. It's pretty funny, actually. It's one of the better scenes in this unsurprisingly terrible movie. Yeah. So that's all the switching. Yes. Um, the heist itself mostly goes according to plan, but then, like, at the very end, they inexplicably haven't accounted for a pressure plate, which is so stupid, and they get separated, and it turns out that Peter Paul has switched things and taken the Star of Peace, and they think they're screwed, but then he sends her a note or something that's like, meet me at Manderston, which turns out to be their boarding school, because he's trying to trick her into talking to her mom, which obviously infuriates her. And he's kind of like, whatever, we're done. And he leaves and she is about to like run off with the Star of Peace, but then astonishingly leaves it with her moronic friends for a second and doesn't lose it again while making up with her mom. And then they bring it back. And then later, Peter Paul, I guess, like has a change of heart and comes back and they reunite and everybody's fine. Oh, and also this whole time, um, Kevin Nick David's daughter was written out of the movie by being at like ballet school or like on a delayed flight or whatever. Yeah, she she turns up like quite, I don't know if it was like COVID restrictions or like uh, she was just like too old or like, I, I don't know what they like, or they just like didn't thought it was going to be too crowded with her also. But like, it was like a very, very minor storyline where uh, she like shows up near the end. Yeah, they just wanted to be like, this child still exists. And also they call her a princess, which leads me to feel that the Montanaro laws of succession are very liberal. Yeah, seriously. I was like, is he a king now? Like, I, it's unclear. Or is he just like a royal consort? Like, what's the deal? Um, I think he's probably just a royal consort, which I feel like it's weird that they would call her a princess. But it's possible that they call her a princess, but do not put her in the line of succession. Or it's possible that uh, Queen uh, Vanessa Hudgens adopted her. Oh, yes, that's true. Um, After all, we did have a whole nother situation in a neighboring country, Aldovia, where they were like, adoption counts, which I think is a nice message. Yeah, I think that was nice. Did you also catch the the crossover? Yes. um, I must say the Netflix movies really have a lot to say about evil cousins. And then reforming them. They always, they just get reformed in the third film. They're going to create, wreak havoc in the second film, but they'll come back in the third film and they'll be like totally fine. Is that what it was? Was was he from the second movie? Oh, maybe he was in the first movie and then came back in the second movie? I think that's right, but I'm not. The point is, there's an evil cousin in Aldovia as well. And he was at one of the parties. Yeah, he shows up. And for a second, I thought the woman he was with might be the, like, evil secondary love interest from that universe, but I do not believe it was. Doesn't he end up with the friend? Oh my god, you're right. 
Yeah. Rose McIver's like best friend from New York. Okay, well, maybe they broke up or maybe he's with some other girl. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, we I, I got a lot of joy out of that. If they wanted to do like a crossover film, I'd be really into that situation. Well, the thing about these movies is like, how many times do you think we've seen essentially the same Christmas market dressed up different ways? So many freaking times. I was like, this is the exact Christmas market that was in A Christmas Prince. I'm not even sure if that's true, but you gotta think that annually they must build just one Christmas market, right? If they rebuild at all. Yeah. I have to say, though, I feel like they've really grown their budget because the castle looked really good. Yeah, I think this was the series where when we were watching a previous movie, Matt was like, they spent some money on this film. And I was like, really? Because I'm like not a person who notices that stuff as much. Well, in the first movie, I remember being like, all of these like bake off bakes are clearly plastic and you can really tell. Like they didn't even try to like coat it with frosting to like kind of make it look more cakey and like less plasticky. But like now, like it's a little more attention to detail. I appreciated it. (laughs) So my other thing though, is that I also noticed the uh, castle glow up sort of situation because I had watched a Hallmark movie earlier in the month called, I think it was a Prince for Christmas. Um, And that one had, that one like was like, they were like, Ooh, he has, he comes from a castle, but it was clearly just like a mansion they rented. Um, And because like, there's a whole scene where they're like in the castle kitchen and you, you're like, this is just a nice someone, someone's large house's kitchen. Clearly. Do you feel like at some point these various networks and studios are just going to run out of ways to rearrange the words prince and princess and Christmas? Yeah, I I think so. But you can always tag on more words. Holiday Christmas prince. I mean, I'm sure a holiday prince exists. I'm sure a prince for the holidays exists. Holiday full of princes. Twelve dates of princes. I don't know. Um, speaking of princes, I would like to note that in this movie, Prince Belgravia was a real downer as the voice of reason, and I think it's the most I've ever enjoyed him. Yeah, so Alex hates him because she's like, he's so stupid, like, he's so (laughs) dumb, but I find him kind of funny this time around. Also, I saw this amazing theory on TikTok that someone posited, which was that he was just green screened into the film and was never actually there. What? Why? Because they were like, like, look, he's missing from all these wide shots, like, he never sits down, like, like, they were like, look at him standing here, the lighting looks weird on him. Honestly, in this COVID time, that's possible. It's possible. It really reminds me of once when somebody was being like, like, blah, 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 the future of television. And I saw like a meme that was like, excuse you, we've already seen the future of television. And it's like those late season good wife clips of Alicia and Kalinda. I'm just going to not explain that and let people go look that up if they don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, the Prince of Belgravia's vibe for this entire movie was like, I think that's a terrible idea. Oh, we must all keep calm. There was an incident when the crown jewels of my country were almost stolen and my grandfather was almost opposed. So 
you know, that happened, but, but everything's fine. And this was much funnier on him than his previously like boring and or noble. Oh, I think the second movie was like basically about him being clingy. Yeah, I think that was it. Whatever. Anyway, all his previous looks have been deeply boring to me, and I kind of enjoyed Downer Belgravia. Yeah, he was all right. I enjoyed that Netflix clearly wanted the trifecta of love interests. So they were like, well, we have a white guy from the first movie. (laughs) We have like a black guy from the second movie. So this year we're going with Asian. Yes. And I must say that I was like, oh, this guy looks familiar to me. I don't know what he was in. And it turns out that he was in Crazy Rich Asians. Yes, Alex actually recognized him and which was shocking because you know they put like people in these roles with like like very little on their resumes. And um and she was like, wasn't he in Crazy Rich Asians? And I was like, who could he possibly have been in Crazy Rich Asians? <laughs> and, and she was like, No, I think he's like the youngest son who like who's like dating like the the porn star or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. And then she was like, I have to look this up. She was 100% correct, and I'm impressed with her for successfully guessing which character, because I recognize his face, but for the life of me, I could not have guessed what he was from. Um, He was also apparently in Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, he actually has, like, legitimate stuff on his resume. Yeah, I think he's Australian, so I think that's one of the things where, like, he's not American, but, like, is somewhat successful. Okay, okay, okay. Please, though. Uh, so now that you mentioned he's Australian, I'm like, oh, okay. Because his accent work was like, okay. Vanessa Hudgens, though, <laughs> with her, like, less upper crusty British accent was truly terrible. <laughs> I don't think I even had time to attend to her dialect work. Do you mean as Fiona, as Vanessa Cousins? Yes, as Fiona, not as Margaret. As Margaret, I think I, I found her, I find her accent like bad, but like bearable. But for some reason, when she's like exaggerating an accent also for like, you know, just for like comedic sake, like I, I couldn't take anything, any scene like Fiona was in, like seriously, like when Fiona was like, oh, I had a terrible childhood. I had all these things. I was like, I can't deal with this because the accent is so bad. The thing about Fiona is that it's very difficult to take her seriously in general. Yeah, so when they were trying to reform her and they were like, here are these flashbacks to her terrible time in school, I was like, I just, I don't, I mean, this seems like a farce. (laughs) Um, Particularly farcical was when Queen Hudgens was pretending to be Vanessa Cousins. But I must say that even though these movies are terrible and each is worse than the last, I admire the range of things that Vanessa Hudgens is trying to play like this one pretending to be this one and this one pretending to be this one and this one pretending to be this one because it's also worth remembering and this was particularly noticeable in the first movie because that was like a classic parent trap kind of situation that there is like one twin so to speak who is a better actor than the other yeah I think she does a decent job um I would watch many more of these um but I at some point they have to stop right like there couldn't be like so many Vanessa Hutchinses oh I don't know I wouldn't underestimate Netflix because we know there's at least four aside from the three of them in the Princess Switch stuff there's also the Vanessa Hudgens who's out there living on Ohio from the night before Christmas 
Yeah, I don't know what kind of like crazy sci-fi shit is happening, but it's unclear. Maybe they're all related to the plot of Orphan Black as well. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) But I can't remember because I think A Night Before Christmas is the one where they're watching other Netflix movies. Yes, but that has to be an error because that's also the one where they said your grandparents got this from a Christmas or this ornament from a Christmas market in Aldovia. So Aldovia exists in the world, which means Belgravia and Montanara also have to exist. Well, I don't think it's necessarily an error, just that like maybe in that world, those are documentaries. I mean, that's the other theory, right? Like, it's like those could be documentary films instead. There's really like a whole sort of multiverse implication here that we cannot get into. Yes, but I love. Um, Also, a thousand awards for whoever edits these films and makes it look like the various Hudgenses are like dancing with each other. Also, just I, I would just say in war to whoever is editing this stuff and makes it like comprehensible, coherent, <laughs> like good job. You've done a really good job. I also have to note that like they have a brief tango lesson with Queen Hudgens and then they go to execute the heist and she's a fantastic tangoer. So <laughs> this always happens, though. I feel like surely that was just a brush up. Like maybe they were just like, I'm a little rusty on my tango. I haven't done it since my five years at the dance academy. But also I feel like as a duchess, she should have learned all of these things. Like along with her horseback riding, she should know all the ballroom dances. Yeah, I thought so too. But maybe the tango is like too exciting. Yeah, like too sexy for royalty. Yeah. I like that dress though. The red one that you wore? Yeah, it was fun. Mm. Um, here are some other fun things that I, and by I, I mean Matt, noticed. One is that at some point, someone is reading Holiday magazine. Amazing. The other is that Vanessa Cousins' phone background is herself. (laughs) That checks out. Yes, I truly, like, when he mentioned it, I was, like, looking down, writing something else, and I was like, no, no, we have to go back. I must see this for myself. Did you have some? I, I I think I just like truly couldn't get over like the 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 somersaults that like logically that they made in order to like bring Vanessa Cousins like back into the film because I really was like how are they gonna get her back you know like obviously they're gonna reform her but like how will they reform her like has she been cowed by her time in the convent and like clearly <laughs> she wasn't and and so then I was like how is this gonna happen and when you said somersaults I thought you were going to be talking about when they are literally doing backflips trying to get through the lasers when they're practicing i was kind of like i don't follow how this man knew about this laser system and like all these other like things but like managed to miss the fact that this star stupid star was gonna be on a pressure plate i know it's like has peter paul already stolen from this hotel douchebag and the only thing that's changed is he now has pressure plates in his like pedestals yeah like why does he know all of this information etc etc i also didn't realize until the like light up scene at the end where they're like opening the festivities that the star was actually going to be placed on top of the christmas tree and lit up i was very confused by this because i was like i was under the impression that this was a priceless vatican relic and it seems like they've just stuffed it full of christmas lights and put it on top of this tree For, like, all of the public to see. What's to keep the next hotel douchebag from just, like, smash and grabbing it? 
I don't know. I mean, clearly being in a vault surrounded by guards didn't stop him. So I would love to know how he broke into that vault too. I mean, like he must be an excellent criminal. Also, Vanessa Hudgens or Vanessa Cousins sexily getting through the lasers really reminded me of Geely. (laughs) She's like a quick sidebar before we move on. (laughs) That's unfortunate. By the way, they also mention Panglia, that other country that's basically China. And I was a bit disappointed that we didn't see anyone from there. And also, it's still the worst fake country name I've ever heard. I was actually kind of confused because I was like saying to Alex, I was like, oh, but like Asians also exist. And she was like, no, Panglia is clearly like a country in Asia. Like clearly Asia exists in this world. And I was like, I I had kind of forgotten that not every country in this world is like fake. Because obviously the US exists. And like, obviously, like the UK exists, you know, so it's like, it's like, these are just additional countries, additional fake countries in our existing universe. Yes, they've just kind of squashed them in like Genovia, except they've squashed in like half a dozen of them. And soon you're like, how much of Europe is left? It's not a big place. To be fair, Belgravia, Aldovia, Montanara all seem like really small countries. Yes, that's true. This is like a bit of a Monaco situation. Yeah, they're like, I don't know, like the size of like a small town. That's what they all seem like. Right, but the like Cardinal or whoever mentioned Harry the Horrible of Caledonia. Oh, that's a new one. This is what I'm saying. There are even more countries in the mix than we previously thought. I wonder if we'll get a movie set there. Perhaps. It is a better name than Panglia, I must say. Panglia was so lazy. That was just such a shit job. I guess they were trying to go a little more Asian with it. It's just bad, though. It was bad. There could have been like a dozen better names. I think they were probably trying to stay in the theme of what they already had, but maybe felt that they all sounded too European. Anyway. So what were some of your favorite moments? Um, I think my absolute favorite handful of lines was when Queen Hudgens was in the meeting with the Cardinal from the Vatican and they were whatever having a lovely chat that might have been when he mentioned Harry the Horrible actually because he was being like boy it would be terrible if something was stolen because like that happened in Caledonia and he was disgraced forever but outside the window you can see that Peter Paul is like teaching Fiona's idiotic friends to like rappel down the side of a building and there's like screaming and the cardinal's like what was that and queen margaret goes that was the yodeler rehearsing for the ceremony and the cardinal says the poor fellow sounded a bit hoarse and she goes which is why he needs the practice and i was like okay i'm i'm glad i i viewed this scene <laughs> i liked it i don't know if i enjoyed any other lines <laughs> I think my favorite scene was probably when Chicago Hudgens was trying to convince the disciplinary board as Vanessa Cousins that she should get more jail time. (laughs) That was funny. And I liked when the board was like, you truly aren't the person we met with before. (laughs) And she was like, I truly am not. (laughs) And I was like, you know what, Netflix? Thank you for that. I enjoyed it. That, That was pretty funny. And it was like pretty good because the Belgravia prince is also there being a character witness. And he's like, what are you doing? (laughs) Yes. And he enjoy like, first he's kind of being like, they're like, didn't she kidnap your wife? And he was like, yes, which is why I'm the right character witness. She has really changed. 
And then afterwards, Downer Prince is having like a great time. And he says, you know, it's deliciously exhilarating engaging in all this skullduggery. Oh, my God. And I made a mental note because I was like, do you think they then went and had sex while she was still in character as Fiona? A hundred percent. Everyone is having such a great time with the role playing in this movie because I believe it's uh David, Kevin, Nick, who later is like, could you keep those heels? Yes. So basically what I'm getting from this film is that all the men are actually into Vanessa Cousins and are attracted to this situation for some reason. (laughs) I don't know that I specifically see the appeal since regular Vanessa Hudgens is also quite adorable, but it is funny how everyone from Hotel Douchebag to Peter Paul, to the men married to her identical but less interesting relatives and non-relatives is like, yes, this is what I'm looking for sexually. Um, Also interesting is that at the end of this one, Chicago Hudgens actually mentions that she's half Filipina, which is actually what Vanessa Hudgens is, but everyone thinks she's Latina. And she actually says something about like, oh, it's like my Filipina ancestry or something. And now it's kind of like, are the other two also part Filipina? Like, why do they look exactly like her? What's the deal? It's also worth noting that that must mean the Philippines exist. Yeah. Oh, also, I enjoyed the dancey credits at the end. Oh, I was going to say, that was my original favorite scene. Yes, it's like the credits are so much more enjoyable than the entire movie. Yep. It was a great, great little dance sequence. Very cute. Also, captions are fun because there's so much like stirring music, emotional music, intense romantic music play. (laughs) And I just I have a good time. So what was your worst scene? For me, it was the rest of the film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The thing, so much of this movie was about Vanessa Cousins and Peter Paul and Vanessa Cousins' like reforming process. And it was tough because knowing that they were exes and that they were childhood friends, like I really want to be into this situation. But a lot of the scenes are really bad. Oh, yeah, that setup, I was thinking this as I was watching it. I was like, this setup was really made for us. Like, we love, like, exes getting back together. We love, like, kind of, like, the childhood best friend aspect. Like, I really love these romantic tropes. But they were bad. (laughs) The tiny versions of them were actually not so bad, although it did make me feel as they were, like, looking at the stars, swelling music in the background, like they were about to break into song. But yeah, I was like, it's, I really want to be emotionally invested, but it's a little bit difficult. And then at the very end, when they get back together, though, I did have a moment where I was like, wait, do criminals not get to kiss? But then they got to kiss later because they got like interrupted. You know what? Maybe they'll get married in the fourth one. Oh, and maybe like something crazy will happen, interrupt that, and then something else will have to. Yeah, because the other two got married in their movies, but like she didn't get married in this one. So that's possible. Oh, This is not a worst line, but I think it has to be mentioned. At one point, the nun says, wait, is it the nun? The nun, the inspector, some side character says a pie crust promise. I think it's the inspector. I was also like, what is this line? And I was like, maybe this is a saying with which I'm not familiar. 
and i forgot to look it up but i'm gonna do so like really quickly pie crust promise oh one of these i'm not like clicking into these search results but one of them says reference to mary poppins huh i've never heard that at any rate now that you say it was the inspector it's coming back to me it's them being like you've got to get it back and she's like i could promise to do so but like that would be a pie crust promise easily made easily broken and i must say i was like if you think pie crust is easily made i don't know maybe chicago hudgens the fabulous baker would have something to say about that so how many people of color were in this film it was a good, a good number, I must say. Yes. Do you think Vanessa Hudgens counts as one person or three? Um, I think actually she counts as three people because it's three characters. Okay. So three Hudgenses. Well, we know for sure one Hudgens is. <laughs> we, we don't know what the ethnic background of the two other Hudgenses are, but we'll go off of what Vanessa Hudgens actually is. Oh, you make a good point that the other Hudgenses could be like olive-skinned white people, like JLo used to pretend yeah. to be in movies. Okay, well, at least one Hudgens is a person of color. Um, Peter Pohl is a person yeah. of color. David Kevin Nick and his daughter. Um, I think the inspector was as well. I'm uncertain, but the cardinal was. Yeah, the cardinal was. Um... One of Vanessa Cousins's like unbelievably stupid cronies, I think, yep. is a person of color. I'm also just not over how incredibly bad those two are at being criminals, by the way. I I know. And it was like really the turnaround on Vanessa Cousins was so weird because she was like one of them in the last film and like now she's like she they're like, oh no, she needs to have depth. And she's a top-notch criminal, which I can't remember if that was true last time. But, like, I would guess that they were also bumbling idiots in the previous movie, and I just don't remember. Yeah, I But, don't know. like, they were so stupid throughout the planning of the heist and during the execution of the heist that I was truly astonished when she rushed back into the academy to reunite with her mom that she was willing to leave the star even for a second with these dummies. But also, they were like, but wait, we can't drive the car without you. So I was like, what? Anyway, this is not a person of color sighting, but I think it's important to mention that at one point, as Queen Hudgens is leaving that like masquerade ball that the hotel douchebag is throwing, there's a guy who gives her her like cloak or coat or whatever, and he calls her your majesty. And I was like, wait, what? But then I realized... It's that Santa dude. Oh, the Santa from the previous movies? I don't even remember if he's in the previous movies, but several of these Netflix Christmas movies have like a weird old man who appears randomly and advances the plot in some kind of like mystical way. You're right. So I was like knitting or whatever as I was doing this. So I think I looked down, but you're right because, so I didn't see him exactly, but I had been like, oh, is he like Frank the chauffeur? But then I remember that Frank was actually driving the getaway van. So it couldn't have been him. Yes. I just like wouldn't have noticed except that I had a sort of double take of like, wait, how does he know she's the queen? And then I was like, oh, it's that dude. It's it's Santa, basically. Yeah. The crone <laughs> in A Night Before Christmas. <laughs> Old crone. I think every time they see him, they should be like, old geezer. <laughs> it's a very rude way to address people. I mean, it really is. Um, All right. Well, how, would you, how would you rate this fine work? Oh, my God. I don't even know. What did we rate the last one? Uh, 
I have no idea. Let me see real quick if I can check. So like a three or a four maybe. That's how I would rate this one is probably like a three. Well, okay. So I just checked and my notes at least say, oh God, four, three, maybe three and a half. It's definitely slightly worse than the first one. Can't imagine what three will be like. This was a year ago. So how blessed we are to now no longer have to imagine what three was like. I honestly think this was better than two. Okay, do you remember what we rated number one? No, I don't remember, but I think it's on the blog. Okay, hold that thought. Okay, so we rated the original Princess Switch four out of ten smooches. And then we rated, I don't know what we rated the second movie, but I'm guessing it was probably like a three or like a three and a half. Which doesn't give us a lot of space to put this between them, I must say. I know. I would maybe give this a four then. Okay. Yeah, four stars. Four stars apiece. Incredible. I I really feel like I can't top that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I guess that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's that's so (laughs) anticlimactic. All right. Well... We'll be back pretty soon. Um, we will be viewing, for your listening pleasure, uh, the gay Netflix rom-com that's coming out next week, uh, Single All the Way. Yes. What was the other one that you wanted to watch that sadly we cannot watch, but other people should if they want to? It was Love Hard, and I did watch it on my like free time, and it had it was a little questionable. I mean, it would have been fun for us to discuss it, but... Oh, okay. I did not realize you had already seen it because I did not plan to see it. Um, Maybe we'll like do a little poll on Instagram and see what people thought of Love Hard if they watch it. It's been in the Netflix top 10 like since it released. So maybe that's a good sign that we'll get like more Netflix rom-coms in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think that we were kind of interested in it because there was a person of color, but then we watched the single all the way trailer and it looked more promising. Yes. And also is gay. So look forward to our December movie and also, I guess, to our appearance talking about the Terry Hatcher Hallmark film, assuming we can find a way to view it. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.